You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Sometimes I wonder how parents parented before smartphones. The wheels on my family's bus keep turning through texts, basically between my husband and I, organising drop-offs, pick-ups, birthday presents, parties. It's a useful tool, the smartphone. It can also be a constant and relentless distraction. For me, it sometimes feels like an invisible pull. Every minute of the day, has work sent another email? What are you missing out on Facebook? I could be waiting at the lights to cross the road and I'll flick through Instagram. Manoush Somarodi is the host and editor of Note to Self. It's a radio show and podcast about technology and being human from WNYC Studios. She's just released a book exploring what happens when we stop the distraction and allow boredom to flourish in our lives. It's called Bored and Brilliant, How Time Spent Doing Nothing Changes Everything. And she joins me on the phone now. Hi, Manoush. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Good. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Do you think the smartphone has made us less comfortable with being bored? I have no doubt about it. because, uh, and, and I'll tell you where I started becoming so sure about that statement, uh, I had a very personal sort of revelation that some of the reasons I I thought I wasn't having some of my better ideas was because I realized I had not been bored since 2009, which was (laughs) the year that I got my iPhone. And, and, And that sort of personal epiphany sort of sent me down this rabbit hole of trying to understand what happens in our brains when we do get bored, or more importantly, what happens when we never get bored because we don't have to. We can look at that little screen that comes with us everywhere, and it's almost as though boredom has become a human state that we are sort of breeding out of ourselves. We're evolving out of it, but the more I learned, the more I thought, wow, actually, it's incredibly important. If anyone was to take a, a just a personal little test if they're standing on a train platform or on a bus or whatever and they look around, it's pretty obvious that everyone is always on their phones. But are there any definitive statistics on how much, for example, the average person checks their phone? Well, okay, so we did our own sort of uh, semi-scientific study into, um, in 2015, and, and this is what the book is, is based on, was a experiment that I did with 20,000 of my listeners where we actually did track and collect data about how many minutes a day they were spending on their phone and how many pickups a day they, they were checking, you know, just that quick check, like you say, like, did I get another like on Instagram? And the average person was on their phone between two to three hours a day, and they were checking between 60 and 90 times a day. Wow. Um, and I should say that that's on the lower end because the average American spends 11 hours a day total in front of a screen, and that has been rising every single year. And and now, so here's the thing. You're standing on that train platform, and you're looking at your phone because maybe for a second there you were bored and you thought, wow, I can fill these, this little crack in my day, these little few moments. I can be a responsive partner, responsive parent, or responsive coworker. 
But actually, if you didn't look at your phone, you would get bored and ignite, and this is fascinating, you would ignite a network in your brain called the default mode. And as I started to understand, the research into what happens in our brains when when our mind wanders is at an amazing point, and we're really starting to learn more. And, And what happens in the default mode is you do your most original thinking. You take two seemingly disparate ideas and smash them together to come up with something new. Now, that could be as mundane as just figuring out what to make with the leftovers that are in your refrigerator. Um, But that's creativity. And we also do something called autobiographical planning, which I had never heard of. This is looking back at your life, taking note of the highs and the lows, and developing a personal narrative, sort of your own, your personal story, and then looking forward into the future, something psychologists call uh, perspective bias. And, And most of us do it. We look into the future when our minds wander. And that's when you set the goals and you start to figure out what are the steps that I need to take to meet those goals. So incredibly important things, but you can't tap that brain power if you are constantly tapping your phone. Here's the thing that I get confused about, Manoush, because I've read a lot about mindfulness and about Mm. the monkey brain or the monkey mind, which I completely have. Is there a difference between mind wandering and monkey mind? So the idea that your thoughts are jumping from one place to the other and that that's not good for you. And then the alternative being you let it, (laughs) you know, I'm really confused. I'm like, actually, maybe this is a good thing. Well, I think the problem is we start to have monkey mind in a way that's not productive. So there is this one researcher I spoke to who described something she calls the theory of self-interruption. So this is a professor of informatics, Dr. Gloria Mark at uh, University of California, Irvine, who found that when people were at work, uh, let's say they had a really busy hour at work, like they were constantly getting interruptions and people stopping by their desks and emails coming in and pings and all sorts of things. Even if the next hour things sort of settled down, you would start to interrupt yourself. <laughs> and so I think what happens is when we are bouncing around on our gadgets, then when we go to actually think about something, we find ourselves also bouncing around in our minds. But if we sort of reconceptualize, sort of change how we think of the monkey mind and think, actually, little monkey, let me give you a little scratch and let you settle down and let you start to go where you want to go, but maybe just go a little bit slower and spend a little more time savoring the places that you go. And and the monkey is wonderful. It can swing from the trees, right? I'm going to take this metaphor really far. Um, so I think it's just sort of thinking, you know what? It's okay for my brain to go places. That's what it needs to do to come up with um, big problems. How am I going to help my kid make a new friend at school or God, I'm like with my daughter who just refuses to eat her lunch. How, I gotta, I, instead of just rushing to the grocery store and looking at my phone or listening to the news while I'm shopping, think a little bit. What's maybe something a little special I could plant in that lunchbox that'll make her eat <laughs> anything? All those things. It's like sprinkling glitter throughout your day is how I think of it. Do you think part of it is as well when you're mentioning how we act at work or if we're, you know, we've got a slither of time and we think, oh, well, if I do this now... I might be more responsive to my partner or whatever. Is it because in a way as a society we've prioritized productivity over creativity? I think we have prioritized responsiveness and we are getting confused. We're calling uh, responsiveness 
productivity. So, for example, when I take the subway home, I used to think, oh, okay, I've got half an hour to respond to all those emails. And I sort of feel like that's what being a good worker or wife is, responding as quickly as possible, right? Mm. But actually, and, and I consider that to be extremely productive, but actually I, need, I think we need to cha- change the way we think of this in that now when I take the subway, I really try hard not to respond because that's actually a wonderful time to do some of the deeper thinking that my family and my coworkers need me to do. And I think the more that people understand that quick responsiveness isn't, doesn't actually mean that we're, we're doing more work, we're just talking more about maybe nothing, then, then we can start to sort of reset the boundaries as to how responsive we need to be. It's like, you know, my mother-in-law texts me and expects a response immediately. Well, no, I'm, I'm going to wait an hour. I need to rethink, retrain <laughs> how quickly we respond to each other. And I think we need to, to respect each other for, for taking the time to do some of the deeper thinking, deeper work that being alone and not being responsive requires. Seems like it's also about human relationships and space, isn't it? Because that idea that you have to get back to someone straight away, it almost takes away your independence. Like you can just meander through the world being yourself or you can do what everyone else wants of you right away. Well, I also find, and I don't know if you find this too, that um, a lot of people now, instead of working out a problem, they immediately ping somebody about it. The minute something comes up that, and you think, well, maybe just try and work it out before you or or come up, you know, collect all the problems and do one big email instead of the constant pings all day long. I'm, I'm doing this book tour right now across the United States. And I will say the really consistent thing that I am seeing from the people who, who are coming, you know, in addition to concerns about kids is really this idea of burnout of being constantly uh, talking to colleagues online and off and not actually having that quality deep work alone time. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Manoush Zamarodi, who is the host and editor of Note to Self. We're talking about her book, which is called Bored and Brilliant, How Time Spent Doing Nothing Changes Everything. And just talking to her is making me want to throw my phone in a lake somewhere and, and go off and sit under a tree. Of course, as parents, as people who live in this world today, we can't all do that. Do you have any tips, particularly for parents, Manoush, on how we might start to reclaim some of our more bored moments, I guess. Yeah, and you know, I think the answer is not, uh, you know, some people think, oh, this is a digital detox that you're talking about. And and I really, I I really don't think so. I, I don't think it can be. I don't think the answer is a binary. I don't think the phones are on or off and that's it. I think this is about helping our kids understand when uh, when their technology has turned from a tool that it's supposed to be into a taskmaster. I mean, I hear about kids um, doing Snapchat streaks for and feeling like they if they go on vacation with their family, they give their friends their logins to, so you don't stop the streak. I don't know if you've heard about that. No, um, no, I'm too old for Snapchat. <laughs> Yeah, we won't go into the details not right now, but all, all kinds of ways that the technology um, has been designed in order to essentially hijack our attention. And I think to me, our job as parents is to sort of explain how 
um, it's not that you're a bad kid if you want to be on your phone all the time. It's because it's been designed to do that. The business model is based on spending time with your eyeballs. You're being played, essentially. So I think it's our responsibility at an earlier and earlier age to explain to the kids how these things are made, why they feel compelled to be on it all the time, and to say, and this is why I really insisted on using the word boredom, um, yeah, it is hard to be bored. It is painful sometimes to let your mind wander. It can go to some dark places, but that's what being a person in the world is, right? I had this young woman at one of the events who said to me, it's very lonely when I'm not on social media. And I said, yeah, loneliness is part of being a human being. And to try to deny that or to constantly run away from it is, is you need to try. You need to try and just relax into it and see what happens. Because frankly, you're going to be with yourself for the rest of your life. <laughs> why not why not make friends with yourself? Um, and cuz cuz and and she just looked a little sad but she came up afterwards and she gave me this big hug and I said, "You know what? I'm going to be with you while you're alone." I think a lot of kids are really struggling right now with the idea of of um the pressure to be constantly uh connected. Mm. And their their brains are almost wired differently cuz even um I noticed with my producer, Elise, and I, she's um, more than 10 years younger than me, but just the way that she interacts with things is so much more natural, like on Instagram. And it's, it's mm. amazing to see and interesting as well, because it's, it's a part of how she exists with her friends and her community in a way that I've never done because I only just started using Instagram because she told me to. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And it seems that that's something we have to understand as well is that they're growing up in a way their brains are working differently socially, just as ours probably were to our parents. Do you think that's something we need to keep in mind as well with our children? Well, I think, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, isn't this just like, you know, the latest moral panic, like when the radio came out or television came out. But there's something fundamentally different about our phones. You know, when I was a kid, when I, yes, I would have three hour long conversations uh, with my best friend, but then I would hang up and the phone would stay on the wall. Now that phone follows me wherever I go. It's being updated constantly by large corporations. It knows me. It knows where I am all the time. It knows what I buy. It knows what I like. It knows all my habits. And that's a fundamentally different thing that we're talking about. Um, Yes, I think people think differently, but I think it's we're at a crucial moment where we need to say um, some of that is is great, yes, but some of it is not so great, and we are seeing higher and higher levels of anxiety and depression, particularly in young women, and I think we have to ask why and 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 maybe start to say, you know what, no, we want a little more control over our devices. They are wonderful. They connect us. They get us information don't take my phone. I'll be very angry if you do. But <laughs> I, I, you know, I think I'm shocked at how many people don't know that they can even just turn off notifications. Mm. Um, so it's just basic things that we can do. Well, Manoush, as always, you've given us a lot to think about. Thank you so much for your time today. 
Oh, so fun to be back on Kinderlink. Thank you for having me. That's Manoush Zamarodi, and she's the host of Note to Self. It's a podcast and radio show on WNYC Studios and the author of Bored and Brilliant, How Time Spent Doing Nothing Changes Everything, and it's out in all good bookstores now. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.